For those of you that are unaware, for the last uh, year, we have been reading through the New Testament as a congregation. Uh, Matthew, on January uh, 1, we began then, and uh, uh, today uh, we're coming toward the conclusion. We're not quite done yet. By the end of the month, we will have read through the end of the book of Revelation, which means I've been preaching throughout the, uh, the, the year on some verse that connects to, uh, um, to, that pas- to the uh, passages we read the week before, which means we're preaching Revelation through Christmas time. And, and I know a lot of you were skeptical, but if you were skeptical before, I, I think you won't be when we're done today. The book of Revelation, uh, um, oh, by the way, if, if you've been reading through the whole of the New Testament with us and you're going to complete it uh, um, at the end of the year, I want to provide you with a certificate. If you go to lwinfo.org and uh, about the third tab down on your phone, you'll find um, uh, where you can uh, sign up to get a certificate. I think I signed about 100 of those um, over the uh, past week, um, but they'll be available next Sunday for you to pick up uh, a certificate that we want you to have uh, um, a next Uh, acknowledging your completion of the New Testament with us. So today we're reading from Revelation chapter 12. Then a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because she was in labor, in pain from giving birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. It was a great fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven royal crowns on his head. His tail swept down a third of heaven's stars and threw them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was snatched up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the desert where God has prepared a place for her. There she will be taken care of for 1,260 days. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm I'm sure you all have Christmas traditions, those things that it's just not Christmas without it happening, those things that that you have to practice each year, and maybe it's a particular dinner item or or it's a particular place and time or a story you tell or something like that. Um, Because um, I kind of work Christmas Eve and also because my son is a a, a paramedic and and he's working Christmas Eve and Christmas Day this year, Um, uh, but it often happens with our family that that we do Christmas later. Uh, We don't do it always on December 25th. And so this weekend uh, we'll be doing that um, Friday night into Saturday. And um, what we do is uh, um, on Friday, Christmas Eve, whatever that is for us, um, there's one tradition that we've done ever since my children were very small, and I don't remember when it began. I'm sure my wife could tell me. I don't remember when it began, but but I have this uh, I have this old copy of "Twas the Night Before Christmas," and I say old copy. It's 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 a children's book printed like in 1926, 
And um, uh, so I pull that out, and all the kids sit on the couch with me. And um, so it used to be just three children, and, and then we added grandchildren. Last year we had two grandchildren. Uh, this year we'll have four. Um, so it's going to be a crowded couch. Uh, but um, we'll all gather together. Nancy doesn't sit on the couch with us because she takes pictures as we do that. And so, um, but we'll all gather together on the couch and I'll read Twas the Night Before Christmas to the, to the kids. And then I put that book down and, and I pull out a Bible. And I read Luke's version of the, the Christmas, the birth of Christ. Um, I just prefer Luke's version for uh, a children's part of the, the story. It's the one that has the, the angels and the shepherds and then the, 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 the stable and, 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 um, and the, the manger. Um, so I, I, I prefer to, to read that one uh, for them. There, the other story is the story that Matthew wrote that has the three wise men. Nothing wrong with that story. It's just I use the Luke story. That's our tradition. And so I tell that story, and, 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 and so we, we remember all those characters at, at, at Christmas, and, and we've got this beautiful olive wood uh, um, nativity set over here that, that kind of helps us, uh, you know, remember all those characters of Christmas. And so you, you have the, the three wise men here, and, and, and you have uh, uh, several shepherds who, who came out of the fields at the announcement of the angels, and uh, they, they went to see, to Bethlehem, to see what was going on there. And and you have uh, cattle who were lowing, and I don't have any idea what that means. And, and there's some sheep, and then there's Mary and Joseph, and, and, and then there's the baby Jesus, who uh, apparently was born at four years old, if you look at this closely. Actually, he's got a receding hairline, which is kind of strange. Um, Nancy and I um, have many nativity scenes. Um, we, we don't collect them, so to speak. We just kind of accumulate them. And so we have several. I just bought one uh, when I was in Ghana, Africa um, a, a few months ago, and, and um, they are, they're all displayed in our house. We have one that, uh, that, that sits um, very low where the kids can play with it. Now, it used to sit up high. My parents bought this for me when they were in Austria, um, and I don't know what significance that has other than, you know, it came from another country. And so it seems for the longest time we had it up high because we didn't want the kids to mess it up. And then eventually, um, we brought it down low so that they could play with it and play with the characters, and, and, and uh, um, they've, they've pretty well um, done a job on it. And uh, we find Jesus all over the house. Um, and and that, that, that nativity scene is, is there where they can play with it year-round now. And so it has the Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the, and the wise men and the cattle that are lowing and all that, and, and like this one does. And it's got a star on it, and, and uh, um, um, hey, uh, hey, Greg, we're missing something here. What? What's missing, Dave? Um, uh, we're missing the Christmas dragon. I'm sorry, the Christmas dragon? Yeah, the Christmas dragon. There's a dragon in Christmas. There's a dragon in the story. You all know that, right? You know there's a Christmas dragon, right? I just read it. It's there in the book of Revelation, this Christmas dragon. You know, we, we know all the characters. There's Frosty and there's Santa and there's Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Comet and Cupid and Donder and Blitzen. All of those characters. And there's a dragon, a red dragon, right? You knew that, didn't you? 
Why didn't you know that? Well, number one, because you haven't read the book of Revelation. Um, you're scared of it. Somebody told me in the last service, they said, I don't read the book of Revelation. I'm scared of it. Um, there's a dragon in it. And we don't talk about the dragon because, because our experience of Christmas is earthbound, right? We, we see, we, we stand here on earth with the nativity scene and we see what is happening. We see a birth. It's a physical happening. Um, we, we see all the characters there in the nativity scene and we imagine what it was like in, in Jesus's day and, 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 and we imagine it from an earthly, earthbound perspective. But, but God sees this story not from earthbound, I'm going to trip and fall on hurt myself. God sees this from a different perspective, not only above, so a, a, a God's eye view of it, but God also sees this event from a spiritual perspective. That's part of why I, I love the book of Revelation, especially in this season, because what the book of Revelation reminds us of is that what is happening on earth is a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. There is so much uh, that you can get into. You can get deep in the weeds on the book of Revelation, and people far smarter than you and me have spent the last 2,000 years trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back based on what it says in this book. And they've all been wrong. So maybe we ought to just go, get past that and say, what does it mean for us today? What can it tell us today? And I believe what the book of Revelation does for us is it, it, it reminds us what, what the whole of the Bible tells us, that, that we are living the physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. That what's happening on earth has something to do with a cosmic battle that's happening beyond earth, above, beyond, in a metaphysical realm. So, yes, there's a human baby, but the depth of meaning goes beyond that. As we read through this particular passage that I just read, there are three main characters, right? Three main characters in this passage. In verse 1 and 2, then a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head, and she is Mary. Good guess. You can do this. This is easy. Mary. Mary is the, the mother of Jesus. She's the one to give birth, and so we've made that connection. Um, if you skip down to verse 5, you find she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is, uh, who is to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was snatched up to God and his throne, and that child is... Good, good, you got this, this is easy. So you got Mary and Jesus. Now it says he was snatched up to uh, the throne of God. Um, now God's perspective of timing is different than ours, right? When God created us, uh, um, uh, God created all of humanity, God created the heavens and the earth, God created um, height and, and, and width and, and depth and time. And those are the four dimensions that we're bound by. There's a fifth dimension, but that's a rock group. So there's a, we're, we're height and width and, and actually, not rock, but you get it, and depth and time. And, and so there are these dimensions um, uh, that we are bound to. And so 
we're bound to time, but God's not bound to time. So when in heaven, John, the one who wrote Revelation, who had this revelation, when he's experiencing this, this heavenly thing, um, he experiences that snatching up in just, in just a moment. It just took 33 years, right? Jesus is born 33 years later. He ascends into heaven. So it, 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 it's not, don't worry about time on this. This son is Jesus. And there's a third character in this, Revelation 12, 3. Then another sign appeared in heaven. It was a great fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven royal crowns on his head. You want to take a shot at who the red dragon is? Hey, we got a winner. Satan. Satan. This, this red dragon is the physical manifestation of evil in the world. Christmas is, is not just some earthly moment that had significance in human history 2,000 years ago. The birth of Christ is, is about what's happening in the heavenly realm. It's a battle between God's forces of good and the devil's forces of evil. It's a battle over your soul. It's soul wars. See, you thought I wouldn't fit that in somehow. Understand that while you and I are, are marveling at the manger, God is using that baby to woo us, to draw us, to bring us into his good graces. God is using that baby to, to take you away from all the evil that seeks to destroy you and draw you into the realm of God. The birth of Christ is God entering into the world to become personally involved in the battle over your soul. I saw the rise of Skywalker last week with my son uh, on Thursday night when it came out. I, I saw the rise of Skywalker, the, the last uh, story on, on that Star Wars, that particular saga, the Skywalker family. But the rise of Skywalker has nothing on the rise of Christ. That's just a story. This is a reality, not only an earthly reality, this is a spiritual reality. It reminds us that the birth of Christ is not simply that human event. But the faith of Christmas is a force of relationships intended to be nurtured year-round. It's God entering personally into your life, seeking to love you into his realm. Now, now, Mary um, uh, is this, this wonderful human who said yes to God's grace. She said yes to being a participant in what God's trying to do in the world. And so Mary stands as this, as this beautiful, wonderful, brave image for us of what it means to say yes to God working through us in the world. But Mary in this, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. The woman in this story is not just Mary, the mother of Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. The woman in this story will find, as you go through the latter part of the book of Revelation, the woman in this story is the church. The woman in this story is representative of you and me, the people who have said yes to God in our lives the people who have decided that we're going to live our lives the way Christ lived his. 
We don't want to get into the whole Catholic, Roman Catholic worship of Mary, but she plays a vital role. As she gives birth to Christ, she also, through Christ, gave birth to the church. And without taking that too far, there's a direct connection in, in the book of Revelation between Mary's act of saying yes and the ongoing act of the church saying yes to the will of God. And so it becomes the job of the church. That's you and me, right? It becomes the job of the church. As a matter of fact, here in a little bit, I'm going to baptize two young men. And they become a part of the church as God enters into their life. And they've got a job to do just like you do. And their job is to be the church, to say yes, to be the physical manifestation of the spiritual reality of God's presence in the world. So what's our responsibility in this as those who are the church? Well, first and, and, and foremost is uh, to trust the Christ of Christmas. Revelation, if you go on in that, in that chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation, of, salvation and power of God. Let me back up. I got too fast. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ has come. In that Christmas moment, God gives you an opportunity. God didn't send Christ for his own sake. God sent Christ for your sake, for your salvation, for you to have the opportunity to say yes, to make that well-placed yes in your life. Step two in that, then, is to live the way of Christ. The first Christians were, were called the people of the way. They weren't even called Christians. They were called the people of the way. And what that meant was they lived their lives the way Jesus lived his. So many people have turned away from the faith because those who call themselves Christians don't live the way Christ has. Verse 11 says this, Revelation 12, 11, they gained the victory over him on account of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their witness. The word of their witness. What had happened was people had witnessed that the people who follow Jesus Christ lived their lives so differently that it was intriguing and it drew people in so that they could make that yes in their life as well so that they could say yes to Christ in their life and begin living a countercultural and different way. Not to be turned off by the way we live, but instead to be drawn in because of the way we live. Christ's life, as we read it in the Bible, is, is meant to serve as an example for us of how to live our life. It's not intended to be a, a certain list of doctrines or, or a certain uh, uh, script, script that we have to follow. It's meant to be a relationship born of love and lived out in sacrificial service. Christ gave himself for our sake so that we would give ourselves for the sake of others. Which brings us to that last point, become a dragon slayer. Let's be clear, the dragon in this story is not some romantic dragon, something fun and fanciful. The dragon in this story is evil in the world. 
This isn't some Harry Potter dragon. This isn't some Game of Thrones dragon. This is a dragon desiring to devour you, just as the dragon wanted to devour Jesus. This dragon is bad stuff. There, there's a, a, an ancient lore about a, a saint of the church, St. George. Um, St. George uh, was, uh, uh, the, 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 the real story behind it is that St. George was, lived in the 200s, um, he becomes a saint of the church in the 400s. They venerated him then. But, but the story of George is that, that as a child, he grew up in a Christian family. Mother and father were Christian. Father joined the Roman army and was killed in, in war. Mother, in, uh, uh, after that happened, she moves George and herself to a, another town. And in that town, she somehow loses her life. And George, at a very young age, mid-teens, George joins the Roman army, never having forsaken his faith. So the, the, the legend goes that George is sent to Libya, and in Libya, he encounters a dragon that is terrorizing a town, a dragon that at first required sacrifice of sheep, but now requires sacrifice of humans. And George is called upon by the king of the region there to, to slay the dragon. And he uses a lance, a, a, a spear that has a cross engraved on it. And he kills the dragon. And as a reward, the king of the area gives him lots of money. And he gives it all away to the poor. Keeps nothing for himself. Later, George will not recount, recant his faith in Jesus Christ and is made a martyr uh, for the faith. The, the story of, of George, a dragon slayer. But did you notice that that, that story, the, the, the story of a dragon that is maybe a, a spiritual story, has a, a physical reality? And that is, he gave all that money away to the poor. That dragon represents all that's bad in the world, all that's evil in the world. It is, it is a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And some of that bad and evil in the world is happening in your life. And some of it's happening in the lives around you. And some of it's happening in, in lives beyond you, but you're familiar with. And I believe we're called to slay those dragons. Here, uh, during the announcements in a little bit, you're going to see a video about um, our signature missions. In, in our, our church, we choose to give away 100% of our Christmas Eve offering through what we call the Miracle Offering. And there are eight missions that will benefit from that this year, uh, depending on the, the size of the offering is how much each one of those missions will receive. And, and, and those signature missions, I've, I've had the privilege, uh, the, we, we're using the same seven as last year plus one more. Um, and. Um, I've had the privilege of, of encountering um, what's happening in some of those missions. I've been to Ghana and seen what we're doing there. I've, uh, um, I, yesterday I was, um, so I've been to Agape Help House. Uh, it's in Pacific where there's a, a food pantry and, and a clothing closet that financially supports the, the uh, food pantry. And um, I've been there and just seen the great ministry they do and the, and the beauty of what they do. Last night I was at a meal um, and it was a lavish dinner. I mean, 
I, I've eaten at a lot of nice places, and this was over the top. And, and um, uh, as, I'm, as I'm there at that meal, I'm, I'm asked by uh, the host of the meal if I'd offer grace. Um, well, part of the meal was you showed up with a canned good for Agape Health, Health House. And I couldn't help but notice the, the, the reality of the dualism between the meal we were partaking in and the cans of food that were right behind me. And those cans of food will slay dragons for some people who not only don't eat lavishly, sometimes they're lucky to eat at all. Those cans of food are dragon-slaying things. That's one of our, our signature missions. I, I was, uh, um, you know, I was talking to uh, uh, Kelly Vincent. Kelly's over here somewhere. And Kelly was telling me some stories about what they did this past week at Merrimack School, one of our, our signature missions. And at Merrimack School, um, we gave a, a Christmas gift bag to every one of the children in that school. How many children in that school? 220. 220. 220 Christmas gift bags were given by this church to, to students in that school um, uh, because we have them as a signature mission. And, and so, um, uh, so in the bags were little toys and, and coloring books and crayons or markers or something like that. And, and, and they dug through that and, and went for the socks and gloves. Now, when I was growing up, um, uh, I would take my stocking off the mantle um, that Santa had filled, and I would dump it out, and I would push the socks and gloves aside to get to the, the candy and the, and the toys. Kelly would tell you that, that they, those kids were coming up to, to the volunteers that were there with their socks and gloves and saying, look what I got, and just rubbing it on their face because it's so soft. Socks and gloves. That's how we slay dragons. Reading material, too. That's how we slay dragons. We're called to slay dragons. We're called as, as followers of Jesus Christ to, to stare down the fiery red dragon and say, uh-uh, not on my watch. Not as long as I've got breath in my lungs and the call of Christ in my life. You're called to be a dragon slayer. Amen and amen.